everyone. Excuse me, I have, to blow, I, was, I have an allergy of something. This weather over here doesn't agree with me. <laughs> Probably you either. Well, <coughs> it's on now. Okay. Yes, there. Yes, in the, in the my, my Bible. We're very organized. Since I had my daughter with me, otherwise I wouldn't be. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that she could come with me. She's been in Japan. She was born and raised in Japan, and very perfect in Japanese, and she and her husband are missionaries in Osaka, which is three hours away from my house, and I can go up by bus without much problem now. Anyway, I'm, she's going to do this uh, uh, slideshow, and we'll start right here. Uh, there's Japan up there, and you can see Tokyo is on up on the right side, but the island of Shikoku is the same size as Yellowstone Park. All of it, and there's four and a half million people there, and we're right at the tip of that island, which is a wonderful place to be. Sherry is over in Osaka, just to the right of that, and they, she, they've been there five years now, starting a church. This is Takamatsu, the place that the Lord sent Ralph and me about 70 or 69 years ago, and we lived there all the years except for two years we were in Tokyo. I call that the cement city, and more and more cement's going in there every day. High rises just going up like popcorn. This is the house that the mission built for me about 50 years ago, and that's my little car, and it's a two-story, but that's where I do my ministry still, and people come and go all the time. And this is the entrance on the right side. The ground is only about 60 feet wide, maybe uh, 30 feet wide and about 60 feet inside. But I love my flowers. So, And now Japan is most famous for their cherry blossoms that you can take your lunch and go and sit under the trees when it's open. they're blooming in the spring. And it's a very quaint place. This is Japanese food, which I've never gotten adjusted to all of it. Sherry will eat anything and always goes and buys for Japanese food. This is the symbol of Japan, which is Mount Fuji and I'm afraid it's going to blow up someday. This is where they're very artistic and they're very engineering people. So anything that looks like an art, well, they're going to put it on a piece of paper. And this is the boys' day, which they fly the fish over and over a river in south of us. And they also celebrate Girls' Day on the 20th of January when they become uh, adults, 20 years old, they have this celebration in honor of the young people. They meet in the city hall, and they have some kind of a program. But the girls dress up in kimonos like this. Huh? Oh. Well, Japan is, is people ask you all the time, what religion is it? Well, it, it's mainly Buddha, more Buddhist, maybe 80 to 90%. They'll say, well, I'm Buddhist, my family's Buddhist. But the other religion is indigenous to Japan, and that's the Shinto. The Shinto religion is a little bit like the Makriya, the tabernacle in the Old Testament. But this is the Buddha that is very famous in Nara Prefecture. And 
We have more than one of those. They have statues all over the place. This one, and it's just put up recently, just on the hill above our house. And this is where they go and pray for the unborn babies or that die or are aborted. And they just keep praying that for those babies after they're gone. And funerals are a big thing. They spend lots and lots of money on funerals. When a person is, is dies, then they, they buy these paper lanterns type of thing. You, they sell them at the grocery store and some, huh? Oh, they call it obon, which means good. And you can buy them at the grocery store. Some of them cost as much as $100 if you want to pay that. Then they take them and put them on the graves. And that whole week they think the spirit of their ancestors are coming back to the house to have a good time with them. And then when it's over, they take them back to the ocean or somewhere and throw them away. This is my family from Tennessee. I was raised in this valley, which is a beautiful valley. My dad, my mom, and my two, my older sister who went to heaven about 25 years ago. My mom and my dad, then I left them about 71 years ago, and my mom just about died, but she didn't then. This is Ralph's family down from Lander, Wyoming, as you all know. And uh, his mom and dad are both in heaven, and his sister also, and his brother. And it's when he was a young man, he got the big ears, and he always t- that they never left him. This is our college days. They took this in the college yearbook, and that we didn't meet each other until five, six weeks before we graduated, so we looked just like that. Uh, <clears throat> the truth is, I didn't want to go to Japan. I wanted to go to China. But China was closing. And so I prayed if Lord wanted me to go to Japan. Between my junior and senior, I said, give me a Japanese roommate. But I didn't have a husband. And I prayed that once and then went back to school. And in my room, the first thing I remembered was my prayer. There was a suitcase there named Grace Watanabe, a Japanese girl from Hawaii. There was one next door and one across the hall. So I said, okay, Lord, I'll go to Japan. And I never looked back. I just, uh, but then didn't have a husband. I heard there was a couple in Chicago area that prayed all that year for me to get a husband, and I didn't know it from years later. But anyway, then I, I went on to, he, he had planned to go to graduate school, so we, we decided that he would, he decided we'd go, he'd go on to graduate school. I go to Japan, learn the language. He would come the next year, which he did in August. We married a month later in Karizawa, where we were doing language school. How I met him, I was sitting in Hebrew history class for several weeks or two months or more. I didn't know he existed. He, we were there together three years, and I didn't know he existed. But I went into a meeting that we were having, and his friend was standing there uh, starting the meeting, and he said, Stella, come here. I want to tell you something. What? Somebody wants to meet you, but I guess they would when they got to the field. What's his name? I'm not going to tell you. I said, if you don't tell me, I'm not going to start. This meeting's not going to start, and I'm not going to sit down. <laughs> That's his name. Name's Ralph Cox. He's sitting back there. That was my first glimpse of knowing Ralph Cox. That was six weeks before we graduated. And it lasted 55 years. And this was just before that I went to Japan. We had gone down to the, I think it was made in South Carolina where the school is. But <coughs> it was hard leaving, of course. Oh, I got on a ship to go to Japan. I, it took five weeks. 
We've been down through the Panama, around up to San Francisco and out in the Pacific, and there was some kind of a tsunami or something, and we had to turn around and go back to San Francisco for two nights, and then we got to Japan in five weeks' time. And I was so happy to be there. I can't tell you how happy I was. The ship was carrying Korean war material, but we didn't know that. And then we got married, and that's at the Union Church in Karizawa. And those days you had to buy everything that you used in your wedding. And every, but we still got married, and it was very nice. And then in the beginning of our terms in Japan, Ralph got a bicycle and put a lending library on the back of it, and they would go everywhere. We had a helper, a high school kid, and they'd go over and lend out books, and then they'd bring them back. And then I learned, that's where I rode a bicycle for the first. And we we had a language school in Karuzawa, which is uh, one hour northwest of Tokyo, and <coughs> there were no houses in in Tokyo because it was burned during the war, and so we had to find a place to put. For two years after, when I went, there were 50 missionaries every year that came through the mission I was with. So they had to have housing. So then Karizawa is a kind of a, a resort place where rich people go and stay just for one month in the wet summer. So the mission would put us in those houses, and the, miss, the missionaries would move out for a month. And that's where we did our language study. We and. Most of them had to stay two years. Ralph only stayed one before we went to Takamatsu. And then, of course, you get married, you start a family, and this is our family. I think this was made when we moved to Tokyo. The oldest boy is Craig. He is 87 now, no, 68. <laughs> and Galen went to heaven nine years ago, and Sherry's sitting here. <laughs> and when, this is a Japanese wedding attire. Uh, Galen had this kimono. I know he bar borrowed it. And this is what they wore to a wedding in those days. They always had this white hat on the, the bride because they didn't want Satan to get in. This was my first English Bible class. And all these women are gone, I think, except maybe one. And she's in a nursing home. This young man on the right, his name is Kushida, and he was saved as a high school kid, and he was very committed to the Lord and wanted to serve the Lord, and he wanted to go on to a, a Bible school, and his parents were just absolutely angry with him, said, you can't go, you've got to stay here and be a teacher like your dad. And so my husband, another missionary, went over and talked to him, but he went on anyway. And he graduated, and then he came back, and he, he worked in one of the churches we'd started in a town about 30 minutes away from us. This was the end of the first term, and this was our first baptism group of the first term, and that was a lot for Japan. Because in Japan, maybe you get one person saved a year. And he was kicked out of his house, but he went on to school anyway. That often happens in Japan. You have to obey your parents. The first 15 years, we had 13 pastors and 21 churches, and some of them, pastors are, are dying right now. The, how many years they've been there? Yeah. yeah, so that was just the first five years we were there, and then we came home for a year and then went back. 
Oh. If it took 15 years to get this many people, then Ralph was decided that he was going to evangelize all of Japan, which he really aimed at. He thought that method was too slow, so he made another method of starting 100 churches <laughs> in 15 years, and that was toward the end of our ministry. That's when Chuck Small was over there helping us. There were several pastors working with us, and so they weren't all so cooperative, but he was on the train one night coming home from a church down in Kochi, and he opened the Bible, and he really had a vision to reach all of Japan and all of that area especially. So he opened the Bible, and the Lord gave him this verse. A line went down on a snowy day into a pit on a snowy day. A man went down to slay the lion on a cold day, and he thought, this is Japan, so I'm, and that's my verse. And he took it, and he back, came home and said, you take all my meetings this week, and I'm going to write to the pastors and give them a letter. And he did, but not all the pastors cooperated, though. So what was the plan? Hmm? What was the plan? The plan was to start 100 churches, but we only got... Yeah, 100 churches in 15 years. That's about when it started. This is the, the Friday Bible class in our house. Uh, every Friday, Ralph did the Bible class. And many of those people were saved and are still in our church, in one of our churches today. That woman sitting there is one of the main ones in our center church. We, they had groups of short-termers from America, from schools and from churches and everywhere and We'd just go and recruit everywhere we could when we'd come home. And I, don't, I can't, wish I'd have kept account of how many hundreds we had. But then about that time, I was starting cooking classes. And, so, and they got a gospel message at least by 15 minutes after the cooking class. And I had those cooking classes for 40 years. And many people heard the gospel. And just recently, one of them that... She came to my house and said, I've known you 40 years, and I hadn't seen her since. But she came to the Bible class for the first time a week before I left. Forty years later, they keep coming back. Uh, oh, and I had a hospitality, hospitality seminar in Carrizal for 15 years, one time a year. And they would have many women come, and I would do, do the cooking, and then I'd set the tables and have a theme and... One time I had a cowboy theme, and they liked that one. And, of course, I made my own bread sometimes. That was my kitchen then. This is about 30 years. And, I, of course, you had to do a lot of cooking. When you had 20 women each day for three days in a row, made the same food over and over. A full-course meal. Full meal. But they paid for it. But, but they, they had... In my kitchen, I have a counter, and then the, b behind that counter, there were three rows of women. One time, I had so many, they had to sit on the stair steps. How many can get in? How many can fit in a Twenty. And a mission built it for you, right? The mission built this house, I don't know, about 50-some 50, 50 years ago. And th that was my kitchen then, and that was my baking, my bread, and so forth. And, also started and about... 
1960, early 60s, I started what was called a ladies' luncheon where you would meet in a whole, it's like the Christian Women's Club in, a, in America, and, but you don't put the word Christian on it. If you did, nobody would come. Anyway, they, they met at a hotel, and you'd rent the hotel. You'd get, you'd get a speaker, you'd get music and, and testimonies, and that would last once a year, and the number would go, went all the way up to two to 300 sometimes. And, so, and they paid $35 a piece to come at least. It was forty dollars at one time. In two thousand fourteen, then Ralph took uh, uh, my son to heaven. He was, had a heart attack one night in the middle of the night, and uh, and then Ralph went to heaven in two thousand eight. And he was only in hospital for three weeks, and it was cancer around his waist here. But anyway, this is a Buddhist funeral layout and they put more flowers around that place and the, the Buddhist priests come and sit there and they ring the bell and they go no yeah bang 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 away you don't understand the thing they're saying and I don't think they know what they're saying anyway that is the system that goes and there's always a picture there of that person they go up and bow and worship like this but this was Rouse funeral and we put up more than one picture because if we only put up one, they would go bow to it. So we put up three or four of us in the family. And instead of doing incense and everything like that, they make, they give a, they buy a carnation for every person that comes to that funeral. You get the carnation and lay it on a table right in front of where all that decoration is. This is the. Japanese grave where Ralph's bones are buried. He was cremated, and it took me a year and a half to get his bones, but you move that middle thing in the middle, and then the bones go in a something down underneath there, and about eight or nine people or more can be buried there in that one. This is the one in the west side of Japan, but the the group that I'm working with now bought another one of these for their church, this was from the Bible Church, and then the group I'm working with now bought another one. If if the church doesn't buy a place and have them go uh, buried here, then they will take them to a Buddhist uh, uh, ceremony, Buddhist grave. grave somewhere. And Japanese are very good at remembering their this. They are slaves to the dead. There's no way to explain it other than that. After the funeral, for four, every 14 days, they meet and have a meeting in their homes or somewhere to remember that. And that goes on through till 50 years after the person has died. The Christians don't want to be buried in a Buddhist funeral, in a Buddhist place. This is in Karizal, where we went for our language class. And the one on the left is the one where Ralph was, some of Ralph's bones are there. I have my name carved on the right because that's where my bones are going to be, and you can remember that. It's a pretty place. And this was, this was when we went up to put the bones in, under the grave was our family. Currently. Hmm? And, and currently, I'm working with four churches in the develop with a team of workers. We don't, the, unfortunately, we don't have the short-termers now that we had. I have one missionary one pa and one main pastor, and then... A, Jap a Japanese Filipino pastor for our 
Filipino church. So, and then there's one of our Christians. She finished Bible school, so she preaches sometime. This is the Christian Center. See how wide it is. Now, this was another place where a church was started out, out there, right in in the town, but a little ways out. It's it very country. And <clears throat> this is Ayagawa, which was the, the members they uh, rented or bought an old farmhouse, and they've developed that into a church, and that's where the main pastor lives out there. Then this is a Filipino church on the west east side of Takamatsa. I don't know what it was served as an office or something before, but now we have church there every Sunday at 4. We have Sunday at 4 and then at 10 or 11 in the other three churches. So this is how they baptize at that church because they don't have a baptistry. It's in a kid's play pool. The church that Ralph had built before, the last church before he went, we designed that. And it's just like the one we had built in Hiroshima, and it's still there, and I'm involved in that. This is the Japanese pastor and his wife, Filipino-Japanese, and his wife. And they're very dedicated and very uh, efficient people. You remember this Mr. Kushida that was baptized? He, he he grew up, too. <laughs> when he finished seminary, he came down and worked with us, and he pastored the church in Sakaide for 46 years before he retired. Then he went to Kobe for two years and preached, and after that, he came back and worked with us for 10 years. He, he planted, planted another church 30 years ago, and so they just got a new building about two or three years ago for that church out in the country. I mean, main country. He's almost 10 years younger, not quite. Yeah, he came back to work with us, and he was saved in our first group, our first term. And I've been in this house for 50-some years, and so they said, I can't reach up in this cabinet, and my son said, you got to redo the bottoms. And so my granddaughter that lives with me, she ordered these cabinets, she put them together, and it's a wonderful kitchen now, and I still have, I can have classes there, but a lot of people come and enjoy it, and I enjoy it too, doing it in the kitchen. Sometimes I will do something, some for some people. I was 90 when I quit stop, when I stopped teaching the regular classes. 80, maybe? No, I was 80 when I finished Karizawa. This is my current family now. The Sherry on the right, my granddaughter in the middle, her boyfriend on her right, and Craig came down. It was for my 95th birthday. This was a spring, and then I'm there too, of course. And this is Sherry and her husband who work in Osaka starting a church, and he's he came not knowing any Japanese and still doesn't speak Japanese, so Sherry has to interpret everything, and then she makes a PowerPoint, and all of that, and she's very busy. This is right out on Takamatsu on top of a, a, a hill type. It's called Yashima. You can see the inland sea. That's my oldest son. He's a little bigger than I am. Hmm? What? Oh, 
This is, is like the Mediterranean Sea, Sherry said. She hadn't told me that before. <laughs> so this is the end. The beginning was when we graduated in 1952 together. Our mid-years, we looked about like that. And then Ralph and Stella, through the years, that was right in front of our house. Through the whole 70 years of God's harvest, his vision, and Ralph wrote the books. We saw 89 churches started. We have 60 churches remaining. Some fell by the way. And there we have 40 with land, church, and building on it. And pastor. And and some by pastor. But our pastors are dying now, so it's hard to get pastors. They're becoming fewer and fewer. Then it, during our those years, 50 missionaries from our short-termers came back to Japan. And Chuck and Linda came back too. See, there are two of them. And there were 60 Japanese went into full-time ministry in some way. And then three Japanese went overseas as missionaries. And that's it. Oh, this is the group of the, some of them that came through our channel when we met at team conference in Karazan. That's only about half of them. That was just... Well, they came through our channel to work with us. <laughs> yes. And I still keep contact with many of those. These are a group of high school kids that are adults now. And several of them became full-time pastors or they're working in some aspect of Christian work. We just had a, a fellowship meeting about two or three years ago, and they look like this now. So this is the book that I wrote about four, three or four years ago. It's all about those 50-some years that we've been there, or 80 or something. And then uh, I have another book that I thank the Lord that it's still in, in print. This is the one that this is the one that Ralph himself wrote. It's, it's apologetic, and it's all the principles that Ralph used in every sermon. He didn't leave this out in anything. And so if you want to know how he preached, you just read this and you'll understand the gospel. She knows very well. She's read it. And this book is available now at biblio.com in Tennessee. She, she researched it, and it's available for $20. It was only 15 to begin with. So that's not too much in a few years. Well, thank you for listening to my little mess, my little. But Sherry did most of it. <laughs> answer their questions and then after that we'll have an interview anybody have any questions that they want anything it doesn't have to be about the ministry yes sir this one yes god is god spoke god came by ralph cox it's an apologetic approach to how to present the existence of god from to atheists from a more scientific without actually like starting with the Bible just that's what apologetics is and it was very very actually I've made this into a PowerPoint in English now any other questions okay
I'll repeat the question. Is there a lot of resistance to Christianity in Japan? Yes and no. They, they uh, admire Christianity as such, a religion, but they're not going to be, become a Christian. So the families, if your children become Christians, they're not very happy about it. But the adults, they can't do anything about it. But we do still give the gospel, and sometimes they have to come to church in secret and not even tell the parents. And they, the, usually it's the husband that won't come to church. Even the wife and the children do. Not mm-hmm. right, Chuck? Um, so like Chuck, I just heard him say earlier, um, maybe it's not, it's real subtle. Like maybe if you're a Christian, maybe suddenly you find that you're not being promoted in the company. You know. Any other questions? Okay, sir? Do the families ever excommunicate their kids for becoming Christians? My first term, there was one girl that was kicked out of her home, and she went to live with a single missionary. I'll never forget the day then that mother came to meet that daughter she'd kicked out of her house. But that daughter was a Christian, and then she went to Tokyo and served the Lord, and she finally she got sick and died. But that does happen. That does happen. Nowadays, I don't know. Not so frequent, again, but when you start talking baptism, they're like, you can go to church, but just don't get baptized. They think baptism is when you're saved. Yeah. They think you just make a turnaround. I think it's because of the Catholic Church, maybe. I'm not sure. But they think when you're baptized, you become a Christian. You have to explain to them that's not the way it happens. No. So, Chuck's question is, uh, is it more difficult in rural areas, I can't say that word, or city areas, what would you say? Well, it depends on the city, depends on what the meeting is. We, we had English classes in order to make contact and for the short-termers to teach. And if they was in the city, in the country, they're very glad to let their children come to learn English. But sometimes in the city, it's a little easier, but not always. As far as, as especially in the well, mom doesn't work in a city, so we wouldn't know. <laughs> you know. It's not real country. There's In my city, there's 350,000. 10 or 15 square miles, 350,000. So from my church where I'm working with my husband, the closest believe seeker who's, a, I mean, the furthest seeker who's attending takes 40 minutes to get there, but it's only 25 miles away. Do you want to guess how many people live between... That church and that person that lives 25 miles away? Anybody? A million. So our, our work's cut out for us. And, and like, okay. So any other questions? Anybody? Well, if you want to ask, we'll still be here after a while. Yeah. Well, now, now we'll, I'll talk about mom <laughs> through interview. What? <laughs> we'll interview her. 
and uh, parents how to, how to raise children. And I pass, I order 50 of those a month, and finally in the last maybe a year or two, our four churches have been ordering for each church. But for the love of me, all those members won't take those and pass them out. Sometimes I have to go get them and do it myself. So you pass these out to your neighbors like mailboxes? You put them in the mailbox, it's legal over there. And then when I, go, I give them to the post office workers, I give them to my doctors, I, give, I take it to one hospital where I know some people, and, and I've been giving it to one woman for three years at least. I don't even know her name, but she, one day I said, you read this and I'll help you. I need help. I said, you read this and you'll be saved. I want to believe. I want to be saved. And she takes the, the file of yours when you go get your heart examined. And she, she seems to be a very needy person, but I can't get close enough to her to know where she lives. 
I don't even know her name. So basically, taxi driver, the UPS oh, yeah. guy that delivers, everybody gets one of those uh, good news magazines. And they okay. get the gospel whether they want it or not, <laughs> if they'll read it. <laughs> and if they don't, they have a choice. The results will be theirs. Tell us about the policemen that came from the corner police, they call them police boxes, their little neighborhood police stations. And uh, he came around to your house, mm -hmm. remember? What'd he say? It wasn't what he said, it was what you told him. <laughs> you know, him? The, the policeman was making the routine checks. Yes. And I forgot what I said. You tell him. Well, she sat, I mean, he's just doing a routine check, and then and he has stood there 45 minutes or more. Just yes, he even came into the house and sat down at the dining room table, and I witnessed to him. And then you gave him a Bible? I gave him something. And sometimes she's even had taxi drivers. She says, do you have a Bible? And they'll say no, and she'll run in the house and get a Bible and come back out and give it to him. Only two drivers ever did that. Mm -hmm. Someone will say, no, I don't want it. Okay. Um, the other day, when I did my driver's test, <laughs> the same man was with me. It was three years ago, and I passed it, by the way. And uh, I started to leave him, and I said to him, do you have a Bible? And later he said, no, but I have your Dogwood book. That's a, a book of my life that I wrote, and it's all in Japanese, so I don't bring any of those home. But he did have the Dogwood book. I'm going to give him a Bible when I go back. Like in this slide here, I didn't. Oh, that was my cooking thing. So tell us what exactly you would do in the cooking classes that would lead women to pray with you after the cooking class and become Christians. One of our most diligent, committed Christians, one day when she came to cooking class, uh, she. Uh, I, I realized that she was seeking, so Ralph was in his office, and he, he went into the office, and she accepted the Lord, and she's still serving the Lord, and that was several years ago. So when you start your cooking class, what do you, what do, you do? You you have a, do you only dish, make one dish? No, I do a full course. But okay. you have to make some the day before. Right. You can't teach everything in one hour, okay. you know. Do you Do you sing a song? We sing a little hymn like Jesus Loves Me or for What a Friend We Have in Jesus and and then scripture and somebody gives a testimony or something. And then I see that everybody's sitting at your dining room table. Did you set the table? I set the table every time. And then where they're sitting, you know, we must have had chili that day. I, that My table will seat 14 people kind of scrunched up. But <clears throat> they don't all stay and eat, but... Anyway, it's been a wonder. It was a wonderful ministry, and I don't do it right. So, how many days a month did you have cooking class? Could you step days. on this this side of the cord, Mom? You're on the cord. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You're on the cord. Thank you. Three days, once a month. Excuse me. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, three days. And sometimes I would do two on Saturday, but not often. And how many for each class? 20. So you were teaching between 60 to 75 people three days and serving them a full course meal with a different table setting for every month of the year for 40 years. Well, I didn't do the table setting 
that early. Well, okay, the last 20 years she did a different table setting, but she still fed 40 people. I mean, 70, 60 to 75. Anybody need dishes, I'll send you some. Yeah. She has leftover. <laughs> yeah, she stopped in 80. Um, let's, let me think one more thing here. Here, you can talk a bit. Oh, oh, so <clears throat> there was another, when, when Dad received, um, you said that, you know, it was like he was on a train, and it was almost like he had a vision from the Lord. He just started writing, like, almost like the Holy Spirit was telling him how. Because it came together at that time that airplanes could come to Japan quite inexpensively. Uh, there were college and Bible school students in America that needed experience in missionary work, and mom and dad needed to duplicate themselves, like Paul duplicated John Mark, you know, at, to the next generation. And then there were Japanese young people that needed to be trained to be pastors or missionaries. And English was a medium that would just, you could put a sign out almost, and you would just get a group of people. If you want to know the principles of church planning, they're in the, the other book, the green book in the back. It's called One Man's Vision for Japan. And so um, in that moment with the economy in Japan doing well, it was a thought that if you could get one church, most pastors wanted to be a, build a church um, for about 100 to 150 people. And on average, how many people are one to the Lord in one year? One person, one person each year. So on average in Japan, you get one baptized person a year if you're doing well. So how long would it take to get a 100-member church? But for... To get 20 people, you can get it real fast. If you have, get 20 people, you can get it pretty fast. We worked with a pastor in Okayama and started 10 churches because he wanted to work with us. And Chuck knows him, and that's where they were in Okayama. They helped start one church in Okayama. And after that, and this one man... Uh, he's one of the best pastors. He built a church that would seat 500 people not too, too many years ago. And they have a school and an old folks' home and everything where, they, where he works. He's just amazing. And he's got 14 cents in his heart. So that was a, a blessed Japanese pastor. Okayama, let me enlarge that, sorry. Tell her what Okayama is. Okayama is a... Uh, on the what? Across the water. It's across the water, and we used to have to go by ship, but now they built a bridge there about 30, 20 years ago across the inland sea. Of course, it cost a lot of money to cross it in a car, but we still, it's more convenient. So, when dad's, so if you'll see the red dot go north across the water, the Mediterranean, it's the inland sea, but it's like the Mediterranean Sea. That's Okayama. That was the Japanese pastor who cooperated with Dad, and they started 10 churches. After you cross Inland Sea, go left a little bit. That's Hiroshima, Hiroshima, where the bomb was dropped. Then they started taking a train from the red dot across the ocean. You can take the bullet train to, the red, to Hiroshima. Actually, you can take the bullet train from that island all the way up north. So let me ask the pastor a question. 
But then we went down to Kyushu, yeah. which is the southern island. Okay. So tell us how you got to see this most southern island on the left. That would be 500 miles away. Pastor, you want to start a church 500 miles from here? Okay. So tell us how you got to that island. Well, we they used to have a boat that docked at our place at night in the beginning, we'd get on that boat and then go through the NNC and get off in Beppu, that's... Right above the S. Right above the, the S. Baptist, and right then we that. would ride a little train, and we started the church in Oita, and then one in Nakatsu. There were two churches on that island, as many as we got. We started one in Shimonoseki, which is the very end of the Shikoku. The, the main island, at the very tip of the top island, on the very left, we started... The one that points out there... We found an American man teaching in a missionary kids' school, and Ralph said, you need to be a missionary. So he took him down there to Shimonoseki. We, we got a house for him. We helped him get started. That man has built a church. He's about 80 or people in his church, and somebody's getting saved all the time. So I wanted to get back to the vision. You see the expanse. That's like 500 miles. square miles, kind of like Paul. Basically, the whole Middle East. But that, you never knew you'd go that far, right? No. But <laughs> Dad would have the idea, let's go start a church there. Who had to go find all the housing for the short-term workers to go f- live in their homes? He had a wife called Stella. <laughs> so what did you do? You had to what? I had to furnish all the chopsticks and the forks and knives and the, and the, micro- you mean the microwave. Yes. And the refrigerator? I still know what I put in for... for, for Nothing. <laughs> That's not no. true. No. Did you have to get the microwave? Well, everything. A bed? Oh, yes. Refrigerator? Yes. So the secondhand store people knew you really well? Yes. <laughs> okay. So mom would then go furnish apartment. Let's say Chuck came over. Chuck, bless his heart, <laughs> lived in the rattiest nastiest Japanese old farmhouse that had a plop toilet. Girls, you know what a plop toilet is? Huh? So there's a hole and then it plops (laughs) or whatever. And, And that's it. But then the honey bucket truck comes along once in a while and sucks all that out and you start afresh. And it's attached to the house. So he, bless his heart, had the worst one, but you still furnished it, right? You furnished Chuck's house. Oh, yeah. We, ha- we always paid the rent. Usually, the rent money would come out of the English classes that right. the short-termers taught. So that's how we could keep going on that. So it's easy to rent a place. And then if we had a short-term worker, a missionary, um, was it Chloe? A missionary would come. And we would put the young missionary in the house. And we would get a young Japanese. So if it was two girls or two guys. So the young missionary who didn't speak Japanese would have to speak with the Jap- live with the Japanese who didn't really speak much English. And Dad would say, now start a church, and we'll supervise you. And we would go back for a Wednesday night meeting and right. a Sunday meeting. Right. And I, we took turns, and finally I had to go all the time too. Right. So the pastor speaker may rotate if the English-speaking short-termer couldn't preach or could only prepare a sermon maybe once a month, or we'd have other Japanese believers take a turn, or the young Japanese guy would take a turn, (laughs) where in Chuck's case, (laughs) 
apparently the Japanese guy felt he had to preach, and Chuck was the only guy in the audience, and he didn't understand Japanese. And then he'd pass the offering <laughs> while Chuck played the organ. <laughs> so it's a it's a growing experience. But um, I I wanted to say that that. Um, uh, how many churches do you think you just did in your prefecture? I think the 28, 27. Right. So okay. the one prefecture that there are four prefectures on the island of Shikoku. The small one they live on. The small one. And there are about 27 churches in that. So every major city, they'd already planted a church almost before they started into the 100 church plan. So the next thing was the bridge got created across the way, and Dad went to that Japanese pastor that you said, and he said, 10 churches in Okayama, let's go five in Hiroshima. So these young people are placed there. Now, Pastor, this is the question I was going to ask you. How do you feel when you only have a few people in attendance on Sunday morning? Like, let's say five people showed up on Sunday. How would you feel? <laughs> you bet you'd be a discouraged so tell them how you had to get to Hiroshima by 9 a.m. for the Sunday service how'd you do that well we went on the went on the train and we went over to Okayama and went down there to Hiroshima and then sometimes we would spend the night we had, we would sleep in the place where we had the English school and it was so cold one night I real, still remember that and but then we also left three churches in Hiroshima and a church building. So would you get up at 6 in the morning and then you would get on the train and you would change trains in Okayama across the way to get the bullet train and then you would take that for about another hour, hour and a half? It was only about 40 minutes. 40 minutes, okay. But it took three hours to get to your church, right? At least. And then nobody would be there. Because you're planting a church, you start out with zero. And that goes on for who knows how long. But they would come to an English school in the same place, and then you work, and then we would make contact with them, and then finally the church got started. And I still have contact with some of those believers in Hiroshima. But you don't give up, so you keep going, and you show up at 6 in the morning. Then you and, had, and you had and church at one church? No, in the morning? I know, but we had one at night, and the meeting wasn't over until about nine or ten. And I remember getting the train, almost killed myself getting the train to get home. <laughs> it was after midnight when we'd get home. So there would be short termers in maybe one or two of those, and maybe a Japanese young couple in one. And you had five going at, in Hiroshima at first. Four or five. So they would go to the the first one in the morning, while mom went to this one in the morning, then they would go to another one in the afternoon, and then there would be another church in the evening, and at 9 o'clock at night, then they would take the bullet train home or spend the night. So that's, and then the other island, you had to take the midnight boat to get there to start. But, okay. So I was just trying to say how important it is for the missionary kid to come, because basically they started the church. Mom and dad couldn't live in every place. But if he, they could supervise the junior missionary or the novice, would, the novice would be the one that was um, coming maybe just for the summer. And then junior missionary would be like Chuck Small that came for two years. How long were you there? Three years? Uh-huh. 
Right. And then they get the bug. They think this, this winning people for the Lord is so exciting and living in Japan is so exciting. They go find a wife and then they come back as missionaries. And that's what, so they not only duplicated themselves, but the Japanese guy that you were living with, what happened to the, his roommate? What, what did he become? He became a, a pastor. Right. He practiced his preaching on Chuck. Yeah. So then the Japanese guy, who's a young guy, gets trained, and he becomes a pastor. So you're duplicating not only missionaries, you're duplicating uh, na- native or people of that country. And um, that's how, basically, they were able to start 80, 89 churches in a very New Testament method. And that method is in the back of that green book. Okay. I'm done. Thank you for listening. She's finished. <laughs> I think I am, too. I think the pastor is going to come and talk to you now. Oh no, We're, he he said he doesn't have a, a talk. Oh, one more. Okay, we got to we got to do just so you know what it means to be a truly dedicated missionary. We still have the riddle time, unless we're on time. Okay, but this one's to brag on brag on the Lord. So you know, I remember in your cooking classes one day that um, something happened, and I think a hot water heater blew up. Yes, it did. You want to tell us about the hot water heater blowing up three days before the cooking class, the series of cooking classes started? We had this big American hot water heater, and we put it, the the back doors here, and we put it in what was the laundry room in the corner. Right outside was a propane gas thing. I got up on that Monday morning, and and I heard a little hissing noise, and the propane thing was warm. I thought, oh, that thing's going to blow up. And we're about eight feet from the next door, next house. And so I thought the whole thing's going to burn up then. So I just pulled the hose off so the gas could get out and go away, and then nothing would happen. So I went in the front door and back, and Ralph was upstairs, and he came and then he came and he saw me. And about the time he came down to see me, the, that gas it had ignited from the pilot light in that big hot water heater. It blew up right in my face. And there was a drain pipe right there beside me, and the drain pipe was burned in two. And you caught hair on, you, the, your hair was on fire, you went running, and your face was burned? My eyelashes were gone. Go ahead. And so, your eye, say that again, your eyelashes. My eyelashes, my eyebrows, and my nose was burned, and I thought, well, what's happened now? Well, I just said, well, Lord, you know, so I, I had a young man stayed with us the night before, and I said, go get me an aloe plant. And he went and got the wrong one and sent him back to get another one. He got the right one. And I would slice that aloe stuff, put it on my face all day long that day. The next day, and then next Wednesday was the cooking class, and I, I went to the doctor Monday night, finally at night. It was 8 o'clock in the morning. And I went, and when did that happen? I said, 8 o'clock this morning. You're just now coming? I said, yes. Well, he put it on my face. He put something that they have. It dried up during the night and didn't do anything. So I decided to take my own. So I put honey and vitamin E on it every night. And by Saturday, it was healed long enough, well enough. And I kept that gauze thing on, my eyes and nose mouth you could see. And the people would walk into the cooking class and start crying. And what happened to you? I said, just burn my face. So that's what she looked like. Would you have taught the cooking class? And everybody was like, you don't need to touch the cooking class. And what did she say? She goes, this is just Satan. 
I give the gospel in the cooking class. I'm not going to let him win. I'm going to teach the cooking class. I don't care if I look like a mummy. And she greeted the women at the door looking like that. <laughs> Some of them just burst out in tears. She taught three days of cooking classes looking like that. I remember. Sorry. Say that again. That week I had four, four two on Saturday. So this often happens when you're starting churches. Tell them how Satan always attacks. Every time you start out to do something for the Lord, you get attacked by Satan. He's very much alive in Japan. Japan is a dark country. It's a tough country. But it's not as tough as God can, can work at it. Not as tougher than God. So... Uh, if he if he doesn't want to say anything, I, I want to. Go, go ahead. What go verse? Ahead. Romans thirteen. Romans ten. Ten. Okay. So you're, and then we'll do the rhythm. Okay. Romans. Here you can. Can you see? Holding that. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how then shall they call on him, and whom they have not heard, believed? And how shall they believe in him? whom they have not heard, and how shall they fear hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Thank you, people. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, of glad tidings, of great things. Amen. The first time I went to Japan, mm-hmm. I was, went through Ohio, and I met a woman who was a godly woman, and she gave me a pair of red shoes, and she used that verse, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. <laughs> and I've never forgot. She was a wonderful prayer warrior. I remember one time she was praying for our son, Galen, and she looked at his picture and said, all right, you're going to come through. So she was a wonderful woman. She's in heaven now. Okay. So we want to just thank you for giving to the Lord. None of this would be possible without you guys. And you will be in heaven, and there will be Japanese walking up to you and they will know that you are in Gillette, and you, they can say, I'm in heaven because you prayed, because you gave. And you'll be able to meet a lot of wonderful Japanese who can give you great testimonies. And we're so thankful for your 30 years. Is it 2,000, you said? 23 years of supporting the ministry. Um, let me... Oh. I was going to do a little riddle with you guys, and um, it won't take long, but I just thought it was very interesting. It's 8.05. We'll finish at 8.15. Um, and you want to st- stand on that side? You can help explain, or you want me to? Okay, you can sit down for just a second, okay? okay. Yeah, well, I'll, I'm going to. You can you can stay up here, Mom. Hold the, hold the thing. Hold that side. Oh, yeah, we want to show you. We want to show you how difficult Japanese is to no, learn. No, well, no. Last night, we were staring at Barry and Holly's, who are like the hostess with the mostest. <laughs> and we told them this, and they said, you, you need to do that tomorrow. And we weren't planning this. But the gospel is in the Japanese language. How many, uh, so I, I'll, this isn't the riddle. So there are three alphabets in Japanese. And there are two that are phonetic. This isn't the gospel part, but like, this is an A. Ah, everybody say ah. And that's for all the Japanese words. But if your name is Alex, or they would say Arekusu, you would have to say ah. 
And this alphabet, which is a little more angular, maybe I should draw it better like that, is for all foreign words, like hamburger is hambagu. <laughs> and you would write it in this, or Chuck's name would it be in this alphabet, or mine, or your name. But a Japanese person's name can be written, written in this. And it's like our alphabet, like abaka. So they're just sounds. They don't mean anything. But the third alphabet, there's 70 of these letters, 70 of those letters. And the third alphabet, you have to learn 2,000 to 3,000 of those characters to be able to read a newspaper. So you don't finish learning your alphabet till you're through ninth grade. So very few missionaries could read a newspaper. Yeah, very few missionaries could read a, read a newspaper. And Ralph not only studied in Karuzawa, but when he was on the field every morning, he would get up how many hours? Yeah, he would study two to four hours every morning, even after the first five years of being on the field and actually doing it. But I have interesting news that... The land of China was created. The first document that established it was in B.C. 2150. And that's not but about 100 to 200 or even expanding the time, 300 years maybe after the Tower of Babel. So when the Tower of Babel, and they all dispersed, some people went to China and they knew the story of the Garden of Eden. And the reason I'm talking about China is because the Japanese, the difficult kanji like, let's say this, we'll go with this one, okay? <laughs> that means garden. This one means love. So this is a heart right there. So like the word submarine, that's Latin, sub. Does anybody, we know what sub means? What does sub mean? Under, below, okay. So you can put subject, subjugate, and we know that whatever sub is, is under. And marine means water, right? So it's like two parts that we put together, and then you say it's a underwater or something, and you say, oh, that's a ship that's underwater, okay? So that's the way Japanese work. Each one, you have to know the parts, but that's a part, that's a part, that's a part, and the square is a part. So I'm going to give you a riddle. For instance, there are boats, there are ships, there are sailboats, there are submarines, there are all kinds of boats, right? So this, I don't know why this one's shaped this way, okay, but it's kind of like a guy, two people rowing, if you want to think of a longboat, okay? And this generally means action. So this, can you see this, everybody, back there? This part is on every word that has anything to do with ships, but it's just, it means just a boat. But the regular old boat has this character next to it. So we'll draw the boat again. And this is the letter number eight. Doesn't look like an eight, but that's an eight, okay? And this is a mouth. That kind of looks like a mouth. 
Okay, why would the regular old word for boat have a boat symbol and eight mouths? Or ship? Don't say the answer. All right, who said Noah's Ark? Very good. There were eight people on Noah's Ark. There's no reason in the world that would have eight, eight mouths, right? I'll show you another one. What happened at creation? What did God do? He took, anybody want to tell me? What did he do with man? How did he make man? Out of the ground. He placed them in a garden. The word for ground. Then what did he do? He breathed into the nostrils or the mouth. And he placed two people in there. This is the character for man. Kind of looks like a guy running, right? One, two. And that is the word for garden. Why does the garden have dirt, a mouth, and two people in it? How about this one? Now's your quiz, okay? Let me see if I can get one more. There's, there's, yeah. This, anyone want to guess what this is? Don't say. What does it kind of look like? Anybody, just throw, throw out words. A TV antenna. Let's stick with like Old Testament level. <laughs> That's really good. He said a TV antenna. Let's stick with Old Testament. What? A serpent? Serpent on a pole. It's not squiggly enough. Okay, I'll give you a hint. These are horns. Sheep. Okay, it might have like too many legs. I don't know. But this is sheep. And if you spread it out, it looks like this. Like, you know, you can kind of like spread it out wider. Right? Or you can kind of eliminate that when you combine it with another word. So this is a sheep. And I won't have you guess the next one, but you combine that over this part means us. So what do you think? Those who know the answer, Barry and Holly, don't tell. What do you think? (laughs) He forgot already. I'll draw it again. A sheep or lamb over us. You think the word is sacrifice? That would be very good. Lamb, but it's over us. Are we sacrificed? Okay, I'll give you a hint. It's a concept. It's not like an object. It's an only biblical concept, only something we have in the Bible. Salvation, very close. It's the word for righteousness. Doesn't that just send chills down your spine? And that was from... 2150 BC and there are only two races on the planet that still use these characters the Japanese have the gospel right in front of their eyes and they don't know it unless we tell them and when we show them this it just burns their heart they're like Christianity isn't western it's actually like eastern it's from Asia it's actually even Japanese I'll show you last one Okay, mom, mom wants me to do this one. Be 
Okay, I'll do it bigger. Okay, you guys probably know, know by now. Uh, well, we'll leave that. Okay, there. <laughs> okay, thanks for holding this bastard. This is red for blood. And this means to crush. And that word is forgiveness. Why would that have anything to do with forgiveness? Isn't that amazing? The word for naked, naked, is this is kind of like a sacredness symbol, like a God sacredness. Or, well, no, it's, yeah. And this one means fruit. Why would nakedness have anything to do with fruit? Okay, mom wants me to do this last one. This one, what does that look like? Okay, don't tell them what this word is, okay? And then you go boom, 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 boom. And then remember, this one means crush. How many booms are there? How many strikes are there? Why would there be five strikes on a cross? Five wounds. The crown, both hands, and both feet. And they were crushed. Now tell me what word that means. They didn't, you didn't hear mom, okay? (laughs) What does, give a guess. What do you think? Crushed cross five. It's also a concept. Just shout out whatever. Redemption? Close? It's kind of like redemption. Actually, the word for redemption is a combination of words of buying back. That you actually have the, the coins, the money, and then, um, yeah, the word buy. And so redemption's pretty easy to understand Japanese. You said it earlier. Salvation. This is the word for salvation. And it's right in front of there. And there are tons more. And this isn't just like mom and I thought this up. There are books on this. You can go on the YouTube and type in Chinese gospel in the characters or something. And there's this funny Chinese guy that does a bunch of them. And you can show it. Even sin, it's just amazing. And the whole Genesis is right there in their gospel. Thank you for letting me do this. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, do you want to end with prayer? I do. Well, yes, we actually have another thing we're going to do. Oh, sorry. So that's all right.